The War on Manhood, on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I want to address manhood. Now, on a short podcast such as this one, we certainly can't be exhaustive, but I do want to address an angle that I think is pertinent to us in the counseling world on ways in which uh, manhood is under scrutiny. Uh, certainly, uh, in recent days, we see how the issue of manhood has arisen with topics and issues like abuse and how a man responds, how a man acts, what is his responsibility, how does he go about living life well. So these are certainly issues that we in the church uh, need to address and need to deal with. Today I want to focus on a distinct way of thinking about masculinity, one that has uh, swept through the culture and I think is still continuing to sweep through the culture. As I think about our responsibility from the Scriptures to warn people against empty philosophies and vain deceptions and to stand as a garden pillar of truth, uh, I think it's our responsibility to consider some of the ways in which manhood, true biblical manhood, true biblical masculinity is under attack. In August of 2018, the APA, that's the American Psychological Association, wrote down several guidelines. They called them Guidelines for Psychological Practice with Boys and Men. And the goal uh, for the APA was to provide certain guidelines for those who are engaged primarily in, in psychotherapy, um, some sort of talk therapy, and encouraging um, those who did talk therapy to understand kind of a background of how a person, a boy, or a man thinks in terms of masculinity. Now, this is important to us because what I think is happening is the philosophies that they're proposing are totally infiltrating the culture in which we live. And I would also say that they're impacting the church, and it could potentially impact even the way that we think in the counseling room. And I would hope that uh, at ACBC for sure that we would think against some of these ideas that are being promoted. Now, I want us to consider this because I think you'll see the connection of uh, some of the ideas that are floating around in the culture at large even now. Listen to guideline number one. Psychologists strive to recognize that masculinities are constructed based on social, cultural, and contextual norms. Now, if we begin here, we'll notice one thing is that they describe masculinity not in singular terms, as if there's one distinct way to think about uh, masculinity. There's not a standard, essentially, of masculinity. What they're doing in a, in a very pluralistic way is expanding masculinities to be something that's plural, that encompasses maybe lots of different potential ways to live in masculinity. As we think about masculinity, one of the things that they are proposing here is that masculinity is something that's a social construct. It's something that's built based on the experiences, the cultural experiences, the childhood experiences. The APA is simply trying to inform their therapist to guide them based on how to think about these different normals or different social norms of masculinities. 
And, and this is kind of the way that they couch this. They would say, understanding the socially constructed nature of masculinity and how it affects boys and men, as well as psychologists, also is an important cultural competency. And they're, they're giving this wisdom, if you will. They're providing a certain way of thinking about this issue of masculinity. Now, I think it's without question that we see in our culture there are lots of problems with expressions of manhood. Uh, we would say, biblically, that there are certainly sinful expressions of manhood. There are faulty ways that men act. Uh, that's often proposed as being good and healthy and right uh, markers for what it means to be a man. And we can distinguish those from a biblical perspective. Uh, We see these types of expressions in a lot of different forms. One of the places we see a sinful expression of manhood is in the contrast between Adam, in the way that Adam lived, versus a biblical manhood in Jesus. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, we see very clearly Adam is not living according to his role and responsibility as a man to protect his wife. You see in Genesis chapter 3 where Eve looks at the fruit. It's a delight to her eyes. Uh, She sees that it is good for food, the Bible says, and she takes and eats it. An interesting phrase is that she gives it to Adam who was with her the Bible says, meaning that part of his responsibility was to guard, to protect, to lead her into truth, to shepherd her. And here he is passively abdicating his responsibility. Well, man, that's certainly a a, a sinful expression that we see in the modern world where we see fathers and husbands abdicating their responsibilities. That is a sinful expression of manhood. That's not a proper biblical way to think about manhood. We also see another sinful expression on on the other side of the road um, from what it means to to walk faithfully as Christ did, as one who would protect his bride and care for his bride and uh, step in to um, shepherd his bride, to give himself for the sake of the bride. That's manhood, is really self-sacrifice, learning to lead, but lead by shepherding, lead by giving himself. The other sinful expression that we see is um, thinking that leadership means tyranny, Leadership doesn't mean tyranny. Leadership doesn't mean domineering, that we sit in our armchairs and we dole out responsibilities to everyone else, barking orders and that sort of thing, uh, where we don't think just because our physique is uh, larger that that gives us power and authority to use it in a domineering way or a way to push over people and just get them to submit to everything that we want. That's a sinful expression. And certainly, These guidelines that uh, the APA is using in the counseling setting are a response. They're a faulty response to these sinful expressions, but they're a a response to definite brokenness in the world, Uh, that which has maybe traditionally been couched as being healthy statuses of manhood. They're certainly not according to the biblical text, but the APA is responding and, and just simply saying, like, we need to be aware of all the ways in which we see masculinity can break down. This is certainly a, a movement away from what we would consider to be a traditional biblical value of masculinity and manhood. I think it's important for us to also consider in their understanding of masculinities that there are different ways that a man can come to his masculinity and that be healthy and okay. What we see is that the APA is now trying to define what is healthy, what is moral, what is right. You see, the problem with that is uh, the APA has a history of 
in their perspective and worldview, they have a history of defining what they believe to be moral. And listen, it makes sense, right? If they're dealing with the issue of counseling, they have to understand first who is man, what makes man operate, what's healthy for a man, and what's normal for a man or a woman, what's normal for a person. And in dealing with those issues of normalcy and healthy, they also have to answer the question of why we have abnormalities, an explanation of how and why a human being struggles in one way or another. And then the pursuit of counseling psychologies is how do we repair those things? So the APA is really couching a worldview which is not value-free. It's not moral-free. We see this in certain areas where the APA has uh, constructed ideas about sexual orientation. That's certainly a moral issue at which the Bible speaks very clearly about. But the APA would suggest that um, in psychotherapy or in talk therapy, that it's actually very unhealthy to think about any type of sexual orientation change effort, regardless of the, the moral grounding apart from the perspective of Scripture. The Bible certainly presents a very clear perspective on healthy sexuality. So to suggest something that's different um, is actually a numerality. And we see that playing out in the counseling room if you were to follow the APA's understanding. Uh, the same is true even in this case. And I would argue that this helps us to see a little bit further that the APA, the American Psychological Association, and many of the counseling psychologies that flow from their ideas are not value-free. They're, they're not moral-free. They're not morally neutral. Uh, we have to be very aware of that as we approach our counseling cases from a biblical counseling perspective, to be very cautious about hearing what the wisdom of the world is and making sure that we're not operating according to the wisdom of the world when we approach our counseling situations. And, and why is that important? I think it's, it's good for us to consider uh, how the, the world is constructing these ideas. One of the things that they would say is that gender in and of itself is something that is fluid. Now, that's obvious in the world that we live in, but I want you to hear the definition. Not only would they say that there are multiple masculinities, right, ways that we should understand a person uh, to help them obtain that very pluralistic perspective in a healthy fashion, as if there's not a biblical standard by which we all in our sinful expressions should be conforming to the image of Christ to demonstrate what a true biblical manhood should look like for those who are, who are men in our society. But here also the idea of gender. Gender in their mind is not is a non-binary factor. Gender refers, according to them, refers to psychological, social, and cultural experiences and characteristics associated with the social statuses of girls and women or boys and men, whereas sex refers to biological aspects of being male or female. Gender includes assumptions, social beliefs, norms, stereotypes about the behavior, cognitions, and emotions of males or females. Now, while they recognize that gender and sex can be seen as overlapping in fluid categories with multiple meanings, what they're saying is that this document uses the term gender to refer primarily to the social experiences, expectations, and consequences associated with being a boy or a man. So what they're arguing is that social construct is what builds masculinity. Social construct is what builds in a person's mind a healthy view of what it means to be male or female, and that aspect of gender can be fluid depending upon a person's social experiences, whether that be good or bad or faulty expectations in their mind. You know, I think this is detrimental 
uh, for us when we think about biblical counseling. In biblical counseling, we have to deal with problems, particularly problems related to manhood. You know, we see these problems in a lot of different ways in the counseling room. Sometimes we may be dealing with an abusive husband. Sometimes we may be dealing with a, a son, and what he's doing is is uh, he's expressing some sort of domination as uh, maybe he's a little bit bigger, he's grown into himself, and on the playground he's taking advantage of all of the kids. My point is that we, we deal with these types of counseling problems all the time that are certainly sinful expressions of masculinity, things that ought not to be so that, that we're trying to correct in the counseling room. The, the point that I'm making is that we have to have an understanding or a standard of what we believe to be masculine. We can't be fluid in the way that we think about masculinity or masculinities, as the APA would have us believe, based on the fluidity of society or based on the fluidity of cultural norms. We have a standard from the Scriptures that describe what is masculine, what is proper biblical manhood in the expression of Christ, in the way that Christ loves His church, the way that Christ gave Himself for the church, the reasons for which God gave consequence to Adam, all the things that he did not do in his role and responsibility as a man. We see very clearly that God has an expectation for what a man should be. He should be one who bears the burden. He should be the one who leads and guides and who protects. He leads not as a, a tyrant. He leads as one who is a servant. He's not telling people where to go and what to do. He's asking them to come along as he demonstrates to them what, what should be done. This is what it means to be a servant leader. This is the way Jesus demonstrated proper manhood. I think it's important for us to have a category, a standard from the scriptures at which we see how masculinity is to be defined. Now, we have to begin there because in the counseling room, we're going to see all sorts of problems associated with faulty ways of living from men. And if we don't have a standard from the Bible on how we're to, to counsel folks who are struggling, particularly men or boys who are struggling and having difficulty in life, we'll have no way to know what's good behavior, bad behavior. We'll have no way what it is that we're trying to correct and what we should be correcting them toward. For example, in the APA's model and format, there really is no standard by which we're supposed to help a person return to healthy. It's very pluralistic and relativistic in its approach. I would argue that that's very dangerous. Number one, uh, we don't know what to expect or what to look for as problems in masculinity. We don't know what's harmful. Uh, the way that they define it is anything that's uh, harmful to anyone else around them. That's quite dangerous, I would suggest. And so we have to have a standard in the counseling room. Hebrews 5.14 tells us what it means to be mature is the ability to discern, to discern good and evil. I think this is an example in our culture right now where what we see happening is the world, through the format of APA, is trying to define for us what is good and evil. The problem is, is that that definition of good and evil doesn't align with God's definition of what's good and evil in the category of manhood. In fact, I would argue that what the world is calling good here, God actually says is evil, faulty expressions of humanity, certainly not akin to what he would promote in the scriptures as proper, biblical, good, healthy manhood. And what they would say is evil are some traditional values of uh, a man being called and responsible to lead, to provide, to protect, to care for those in whom God has entrusted to him. 
And so it's important for us when we enter the counseling room that we learn to discern good and evil, not from a cultural perspective, but from the perspective of God. We have to approach these problems understanding what God's standard is that will give us clarity to see what's broken in manhood, because certainly there are biblically uh, defined sinful expressions of manhood. And then that also helps us to know how are we going to how are we going to uh, help this person in front of us? How are we going to help them to return to what is pleasing and honoring to God? To know God's standard helps us to know how we're going to repair, how we're going to suggest a person return to health, what they should be turning from and what they should be pursuing. So I just want this to be a time for us to consider what the world is promoting relative to masculinity. We have to be very cautious and very careful because what they're allowing to happen is they're allowing the culture to define what should be good, healthy manhood, which is counterproductive and counterintuitive to what the Scripture describes for us as a healthy manhood. My encouragement to you is to make sure that you're looking at the Scriptures. Make sure you're counseling according to the Scriptures, not being easily deceived by the way the world couches cultural norms, particularly in relation to manhood. We can decry all the sinful expressions. There's no problem with that, but we have to have a biblical understanding. In order to be prepared in the counseling room, we have to return to a biblical understanding of masculinity, a biblical understanding of manhood according to the Word of God so that it guides our counseling thoughts and it guides our counseling practice in order to help men when they struggle with their sinful expressions of their role and responsibility as men. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. If you have more questions on this topic of manhood, we would love to entertain those questions. And we would invite you to send those questions to our email, info at biblicalcounseling.com. For more information on this subject or other resources that we offer at ACBC, you can visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.